Hey, hey, namaste, my fellow Marvelous Nerds. We are the Marvel Mythos Podcast. I am your host, Brian Barley. This is X-Men Broken Mirrors. Sadly, this time, I am only joined by Loud Spice, Travis Tubasine. Hello. Are you sure that that Matt's not over there? Hey, guys, this is Matt. (laughs) I love Batman and dinosaurs. Art, art, art. Draw, draw, draw. (laughs) He's going to murder us both (laughs) next time he sees us. He is. He is. uh, Unfortunately, life happens, and Matt has to take an indefinite leave from the podcast. I'm pretty sad about it, but uh, Travis and I are going to try and pick up the slack. I will act like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the art or artists. I don't but, know what we're going to do. And, and who knows? You might lose me, too, if you do another Zombies episode without me. <laughs> did that Did that hurt you? I just did a literal Zombies episode on my wrestling podcast. You were there for the beginning <laughs> of it. How did you forget? And why was I not invited? Okay, so here's the story. Liz, no, it's, it's Liz, fine. Let's Liz, just, no, no. Okay. No. Anyway. You hurt my feelings. I'm wounded. I, Let's I, talk about X-Men. And who knows if I'll be back for next episode. Maybe maybe you'll just be here. Loud, No Loud Spice anymore. So we're not talking zombies this time, but Truth. we are talking Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it was weird. What yeah. the crap? Yeah. So- I, I really liked this. Spoiler alert. I really liked this storyline, <laughs> these these two issues. But go ahead and get us that summary and I'll, it, and I'll go. It was a lot of fun. I was not expected, even though I read them as a kid. But... Essentially, uh, in X-Men 10 and 11, Mojo abducts the blue team uh, aside. I think Psylocke is left out. I don't remember. Yeah, she was going to Europe or England. And then I think it was like Excalibur... 14 is where yeah who cares about yeah excalibur? she was she was hanging out with excalibur yeah no whatever. one cares about excalibur um but instead of psylocke we get uh, long shot and lila cheney involved in this film and it's a movie or a show to recreate the wizard of oz using x-men so the x-men actually fight each other yeah because that's a common theme now <laughs> it's like every four issues they have to fight each other somebody's pissed at someone yep <laughs> And then a character named Mojo to the sequel, who I actually feel like Jeff Goldblum would be awesome as. <laughs> I can see that. Saves Dazzler and works to overthrow Mojo um, by having the superior network. Yes. Uh, so eventually Xavier slowly frees the mind control that Mojo has over the X-Men and they, they end up defeating him. Uh, this was a, a lot of fun to read. Yeah. Like, I, it was, I think it's probably my favorite couple of issues since we've been reading X-Men together. And it really kind of centers around Mojo. He is such a likable, dislikable villain. And I, I, I had an action figure of Mojo. So, and you know me, this is how I relate to all of my comics is, yeah. Oh, who, who action figure did I have? But I didn't realize he was that sarcastic and that full of himself and his, underlings really hate him too like they yeah. hate, they have this weird oh god yes mojo we, we, there was one point that somebody said something about lobotomizing him with a butter knife and i was just <laughs> like man they're, they're loyal because they know they can't do anything but they do not like him either they don't and so when i read this i because i grew up on the cartoon show i i remember the episodes with mojo and the cartoon and i i wasn't a huge fan of them but reading this i'm like you know what mojo is kind of fun yeah i had a, I had a lot of fun with it, but i i can't tell if it was just like the dynamic with long shot too because that was another thing that i was excited about i know I think you and I liked the long shot interstitials from a couple of arcs ago. Yeah, uh, where it was Matt was saying it kind of threw him off, but I was it just left me wanting more long shot. And I think on the cover it said because you demanded it, long shot. <laughs> it says it on everything, including cardiac. But apparently that yeah, was no real. one demanded cardiac, but no. I demanded long shot, and I got long shot. <laughs> you did, you got long shot, and basically these issues pick up with long shot. Falling into, I'm assuming, what feels like Kansas, or not Kansas, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Oz. Yeah, it's Oz. And <laughs> he sees the X-Men, I, I think he sees, what, Rogue and Cyclops and Wolverine and Beast. And I guess they're supposed to represent certain characters from Oz, but I couldn't quite place who everyone was. Uh, like, I know Wolverine was the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. Um, and then... I don't know was Rogue. I don't know who Rogue was. I couldn't. I, Rogue's personality didn't necessarily change. She just had these like metal mitts and stuff on her hands. Would that make her, her the tin person? Maybe. I don't, but I don't Cyclops was really unconfident throughout the whole thing. So I don't know who that is, other than like who's unconfident in Oz. I don't Scarecrow, know. maybe because he never had a brain. 
I don't, I don't know. But then Beast just talks. He was Scooby-Doo. He was just in there. So Beast was Toto. Beast was Toto. Oh, okay. Because he was Scooby-Doo. There Ruh-roh. we go. Yeah. But he, because he maintained all of his, his motor functions or his, his normal brain power, but he just talked like Scooby-Doo. Okay. So I guess that then does make Cyclops the Scarecrow. Yeah. I, I did notice though, as, as excited as I was about having long shot in, in this, these issues, he just wasn't really a part of it all that much. And I really kind of focused more on the team dynamics because they were talking crap to each other a lot. And you know, one of the things that stuck out to me was, was Wolverine. Uh, obviously he was just kind of whimpering, but he mentions that he'd been to the Mojo verse before. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Does, has Wolverine done everything? No wonder there was like Wolverine, uh, Wolverine fatigue. I know he was everywhere and he's continued to be everywhere throughout the years. He did X-Force. He was everywhere. But last, last month it was the brood. Oh, Wolverine's already dealt with the brood. Okay. So Wolverine's already been to the Mojo verse too. Is that, do you remember? Is that a thing? That is, that's one that I'm actually not as familiar with. Like I haven't, I haven't read. This was the first thing that I've read of Mojo in a long time. Okay. So I don't really remember anything. I'm sure it's, in my quest to get all the way caught up, I'm yeah. around 205, 206 in Uncanny and like somewhere around 30 or so in New Mutants. So I've read quite a bit, but I haven't seen anything with Mojo at all to that point. But I haven't gotten really to the long shot and Dazzler stuff that yeah. shows up later either. And I'm assuming it happens sometime then. It's just really weird to me where it's like... Oh man, the brood. We've never, well, I've seen him, Bob. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, Mojo verse. I don't know. Well, Mojo verse, Bob. He's, he's been around a long time. And it, honestly, it's kind of jarring to read some of the old stuff of Wolverine and then read these because he is much more feral or I guess in hmm. these than he was in the seventies and huh. early eighties. So it's kind of weird. Almost that he experienced like a regression. Yeah. So like where, cause you kind of get the berserker rage almost starting to broil or boil out in him mm-hmm. and these, and I guess you could say that it, some of that has to do with the Jim Lee stuff earlier with uh, issues four through seven, where he kind of learns that his memories are messed up. Well, that was what I was about to ask you. Do you think that's just like an oversight or is, and you can just like write that off as being because he's starting to remember stuff and find stuff out about his past. I'm hoping that's what it is. Like I said, I haven't got quite to like the, to where we picked up for the podcast yet. So I'm not entirely sure, but at least through like two Oh five, it's a big difference. So I'm hoping that there's either something that slowly changes. Cause I think there is based on some covers between like two, I think two eleven, two twenty. And onward, then maybe that's when the shift happens. So it's not as drastic, mm. but having read these old ones and then these, it, it stands out quite he, a bit. He also was like really made some, I, I don't know if I'm just a little hyper aware of things now, but like he was very much like, uh, I wouldn't call it chauvinistic, but he's like, well, no woman's put me down ever or yeah. something like that. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure Rogue could give you a fight. Like if she, I'm sure she, if she touched you, she could, she could mess you up a little I bit. I feel like if she touched him, it would be. I don't know. I feel like she might actually win. Yeah. I mean, like, if she's going to absorb it and, and weaken him. Cause I mean, he has lost to some different X-Men throughout time, but so that's I know, where I know you're talking about Cyclops, aren't you? Uh, you said it, you said it almost with some cockiness. Like you're like, yeah, he's, he has, he has lost to some X-Men over time. Actually, I was thinking of two different times. Uh, one was, uh, Cyclops, yeah, yeah, and exactly. was, oh, oh, and the, and the oh, other one was Gambit. So, so I, oh, I think oh. you'd like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but that one's a little different. But yeah, there's a couple of times. There's one, you know, Gambit puts him down. He says, "Bang, you dead." And really? Then, yeah, we might see. Actually, that's cool to me. We might get to that. See, that's cool to me. And Cyclops is absolutely still not cool. And I can understand why. <laughs> like he he makes some like fellow kid. Did you pick up on the fellow kid joke? Oh my God. Did you like, I, I know you're, one? I know you're ready for, for uh, Cyclops talk. I want to hear it because, yeah, uh, cause I read it and I'm like, God, now I remember why I hated Cyclops. This way is, back in the day. Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> this is the monthly uh, segment of Travis's Cyclops talk, but he, I think it's after everybody uh, snaps out of it a little bit. He, he goes, as Jubilee would say, it's time to pump up the jam. Oh my god! And I, and I could just see Cyclops being like, <laughs> if if you modernize that now, he would be like, as Jubilee would say, whip a nay nay, Fortnite kids, let's go play some Fortnite. 
that's actually pretty perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's a that's a Cyclops thing. Like <laughs> uh, he might he might do the floss now. We though. got yes, I could see him doing the floss. A couple of years ago, it would have been whipping Nene. Now I think, I think the floss is already like in Fortnite. I think it's already over. Like it people are is. done with it, especially like, since like we're recording this and in two weeks. That's when it's going to release. It's going to be totally over. Yeah, with. It's, it is. It's going to be something new. God, we're old. What's, yeah, we are. We are very old. I know. It's weird. We were like kids when the cartoon aired yeah and it's it's where austin producer austin probably has more insight on what the kids are into yeah what are the kids into yeah man flossing's on its way up <laughs> <laughs> what austin. about what about Fortnite? is Fortnite still a thing Fortnite's still hip and happening okay okay so but hopefully not for too much longer <laughs> uh, well i know the dad of the the creator of Fortnite, so Hopefully it actually sticks around for his sake. That's anyway, you can edit this if you want, but no shit. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to edit it. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, well, hopefully it does stick around. He was, he was one of my professors. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. And then so, like, and now he's a quadrillionaire. Probably. Huh. I don't know. It depends on what the contract was. Well, but so, yeah, so we get long shot and everybody figuring out that they're trapped in the mojo verse. Then we kind of get a flashback with Dazzler showing up to the X-Men for help. Uh, she's like, no time, Scott. In the language of the land, Longshot's Rebellion has been put on permanent hiatus, which is re- um, recalling what we experienced in issues, I think, six and seven. Yeah, those interstitials that we were, t- yeah, yeah. Yep, that you were talking about earlier. And then uh, someone from the Mojoverse pops in, and I guess he was tracking Dazzler or something. And Gambit picks up on it that something's, you know, not right. And he tries to stop him, but he fails. And they all get swept away into the mojo world. Gambit, the coolest guy in the team. Yes. Yeah. He he picked it up on it. So we'll discuss a little more later because this was Jim Lee still. So I got the like Gambit is still awesome vibe and like very suave. And but later I didn't feel the same way. Okay. You'll have to tell me about that because I did not pick up on that. I I could be blinded by my love currently, but you'll, you'll have to tell me. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll get to that. And then, so Dazzler ends up kind of escaping Mojo's little area. And then, um, I guess later she gets picked up by Mojo to the sequel. Yes. Like we were talking about earlier. And which I really love the name. I, th- I think that Jeff Goldblum could do a great Mojo to the sequel, but he actually corrects her. She goes like Mojo Two, and he's like Mojo to the sequel. I know. And it, it's really, it's almost, it, it's because they're so self-aware and are breaking the fourth wall kind of with this. And they know they're on TV, but it's still, they're in a comic book. It's, it's a really weird, like not quite breaking the fourth wall, but like the third and three quarters wall. I just made up a fraction. I did not do well with <laughs> fractions. I did not do well with fractions, but it just, they seem like they're always aware because the way they uh, like fast forward to the kind of the end of it, it, they, the way they're measuring power is ratings. Like that's who has power uh, or domain over the world is who has the highest ratings of the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what their universe is. That's almost on. like social commentary, though, like if you think about Dude, it. Dude, it's so fitting for today, really. Yeah. So while this is going on, the X-Men fight the X-Men. We get like Gambit and Lila Cheney and is it Jubilee versus Rogue Beast Cyclops? Yeah. I think in Longshot. So. And oh, and, you know, Psylocke actually, was Psylocke? I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so one of my favorite moments in this is when they're one of the first pages in oh no we messed up psylocke is here yeah i just realized that's what, when you said that i was like <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's the next arc Sorry. Austin, you may have to edit a lot of cuss words because yeah. i'm like yeah it's the next mother arc. <laughs> it's it's the next arc yeah. that silex goes to who cares about excalibur <laughs> but yeah because she's she's the one that actually uh professor xavier yeah. gets the link through huge plot yeah, point. huge huge plot point huge matt plot where point. are you matt would have remembered this our our compass is not here yeah he, he would have remembered this for He'd sure been like you guys are idiots yeah. boobs was there the whole time <laughs> <laughs> boobs boobs mcgillicuddy was there <laughs> boobs what was it boobs mcgee is boobs that? mcgillicuddy i think whatever mcguire boobs mcguire that's what it was yeah so in one of the opening pages in issue 11 it has Gambit flying through, and uh, he's, he's like, die in the name of Lord Mojo. And one of my favorite moments, and I don't know why, but it did make me laugh, was when Beast is like, Rousey, Rethid, Ractors. <laughs> like, because I don't know, because I'm like, oh, wow, they're actually calling into Method actors at this point. But I don't know. I well, And that's that. kind of what I was talking about, is that it's, it's 
weird to to see them because they don't know they're in a comic, but I don't know what to call this because they're definitely aware and very much yucking it up because they're on a TV show, but it's a TV show within a comic. It's almost like Scream. Yeah. Yeah. There's that self-awareness to what it is within it, but they still kind of abide by certain rules that's perfect because they they they're like you said they're aware of the scary movies and they're they're kind of breaking that wall but they're not shattering it yeah yep it's okay. not quite deadpool but it's definitely like scream yeah yeah I, I was gonna ask you deadpool was around by this point right oh yeah deadpool I, again my timeline of comics is just completely not not there i have no idea when, who's around well i mean I, in my defense is shatterstar around yeah Okay, so uh, this is fast forwarding to like the last panel, but did you see the part where it's Longshot and Dazzler talking and they're talking about babies, yeah. baby names, and they say Shatterstar? Yeah, so I'm guessing that was like a. I don't know a ton about Shatterstar. Me, which, me either. So I'm wondering if Shatterstar is from the future and maybe he's their kid. I. Or an alternate reality? I don't. I don't see. I don't know uh, enough about him either because the Mojo the Mojoverse is an alternate reality, right? It's a, it's its own, it's its own universe. Like it's a different dimension almost. Okay. Yeah. So dimension reality is that, so that's kind of what I, that's how I took it too. So maybe Shatterstar is from a different dimension and that's, that's what it is. Maybe. I don't know. If you know, Ginger Mutant, please let us know because you are the one that kind of corrects us on all things X-Men. Yeah. So let us know on Instagram. So at that point we get some more battles with the X-Men and Psylocke, uh, I guess, gets cyclops cornered and i think at this point we start to figure out that xavier is working through her yes and trying to uh, unlock their minds because to this point mojo has kind of been manipulating them and created them in a manner or shaped their minds in a manner that make them fit into the wizard of oz story as best as he can which uh so what we see are moments where Betsy or Psylocke uses Cyclops to blast the Majonium shield or whatever that. <laughs> yeah, was it Mojonium? Was it Majonium? I think it was like Magentia. No, no, you're right. It is Majonium. It's Majonium. And then he, he even uh, blasts Rogue's uh, shackles off of her, but she's concerned because I guess he hits her so hard she goes up through like the the dome mm-hmm. that's above them. And yeah. so I guess the crowd's seen him and they're like, ooh, 3D. I'm like, wow whatever but it's that it's that fourth that three and a third wall again i know. You know it's it's that and i'm like geez 3d didn't work back then either no like, it did not no still it's never gonna it's and, never gonna work and so she's all panicked because she doesn't know if she goes back down if mojo will regain control but like cyclops and betsy are in her mind and kind of guiding her and then uh, we get a little bit more showing like dazzler and mojo the two the sequel sneaking back in and uh, then Gambit shows up to try and stop Psylocke, I guess, because he's kind of figured out what's going on. And back to the script, you two is kind of what he says. And uh, then uh, Wolverine goes like he's going to attack Jubilee, who I guess at this point is kind of woken up. Yes, I, that's how She's I took woke. it. The young one was She's woke. woke. Oh, there, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's a Cyclops. You just had a very a, a Cyclops moment. <laughs> she, she was woke, guys. That's a total dad moment. I'm so sorry, people. Lord, You can press the skip button. It's fine. (laughs) And uh, so it looks like he's going to attack Jubilee in what is, I think, is one of the coolest shots of Wolverine throughout the whole thing when he's diving at her. Uh, It's on page... uh, It's on page 10 in issue 11. Yes. Where he's diving forward. And uh, so Jubilee freaks out. She's thinking he's going to hit her, and he ends up uh, slicing the majonium. And Mojo's like, haha, you know, you can't get through. But then Rogue shows up yes. and she's like, I can get through and uh, blasts in and hits Mojo. And then everybody's like, has Mojo fallen? And the people in the street, do they riot? No, they, they're they they're trying to decide. And that was what Mojo the sequel was, Mojo 2 the sequel, sorry, was was trying to inspire from the get-go is if they saw some sort, sort of resistance, they would try to overthrow Mojo. So they, they're saying they're going to march on Mojo Square Garden, which I thought was cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, they're not rioting, but they start to be like, oh, we can revolt against the spineless ones. That's what it is. And then at that point, uh, Dazzler and Mojo 2, the sequel, and Longshot, and everybody kind of enters where Mojo is staying, and then Longshot dives at him with a knife, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. It is really cool. I'm not going to lie. And then that's pretty much the end of Mojo for this, and everyone's long air Longshot is yeah. what they start chanting. Yeah. Man, these people are so obsessed with TV. Yes, they are. 
And then uh, that's when I think we kind of get to the point you were talking about, which it pains me to say it, but this is the end of the Jim Lee X-Men era. Already? Yeah. Well, he started on like 248 of Uncanny. Oh. So he'd been there a while. Where did, oh, is this when he like goes to do image stuff or yeah, he starts to do some image stuff. Eventually he comes back to Marvel for the heroes reborn arc yeah. in some of the Avengers titles. And that was a long time away though. That was a few years. Yeah. And then huh. he leaves from there again. I don't know why, but it didn't, it didn't work out. It didn't pick up. And I think they had even offered him the stuff that he wanted to do, but for some reason it never materialized. And then he ends up at DC where huh. he's a legend now at yes. DC. Yes, he is. Yeah. And you know, Matt would have a lot to say about that, but he's not <laughs> on the episode. So, but I do absolutely love the last panel that we have of Jim Lee in the X-Men world, which is the shot of basically the blue team and long shot and dazzler. Yeah. At the very end. That was, and that was the panel that I was kind of, cause it's a, an, and now knowing that it was his last piece of X-Men for a long time. It makes more sense that it kind of felt even though I knew that were, there was more comics to go. Like I knew I was still going to be reading the next arc. It felt like a weird, almost like this is the end. So, so that makes more sense now that you're telling me that it was Jim Lee's last, last arc. Yeah. And it makes me so sad. It is very sad because Jim Lee is amazing. And I think he does a really good job capturing their essence in that panel with uh, like, Cyclops standing over like he's a leader. Jubilee sitting there like drinking the, I don't know, some kind of soda or whatever. Cause she's a 13 year old kid or yeah. whatever. Is she 13? Mm. I think that's, she's really young that's at crazy. that point. But, uh, that, then we get some Maverick stuff, which I guess ties in because of the Xavier files. Yeah. It? I didn't, I mean, I, I read it, but I just was not even really, really there for it. Yeah. It's not something that I particularly care to, to dive deep into. I think most of it there was to pick back up on Maverick, which was kind of introduced in four through seven and then yeah. to show the Xavier files, Yeah, which I guess we kind of get a little bit of that in the next arc, which we're going to start covering now, which was X-Men 12 and 13, I yep. believe. And so we uh, essentially get a new character hazard, I think is what he goes by. Hazard was his name. Wow. I, uh, this was, it makes a lot of sense that you said this was that the prior arc was Jim Lee's last, because this is the first time I did not enjoy an X-Men comic in one of these episodes. Oh, wow. You and didn't I, like this one at all. Mm-mm. And I actually would, even with the Mojo verse stuff, and I know we're going to talk about uncanny. I would say that I enjoyed uncanny more for the first time. I enjoyed uncanny more than I did X-Men. Wow. Yeah. That's... And it's because I just was like, <sighs> This just feels, this is, why, why are we doing this? Why, why invent, because Hazard has never been around before, right? Yeah. Why invent this new villain the, and this backstory of Professor Xavier that oh, his dad was nefarious and somehow it's tied with Wolverine? Like, I, I just don't, I feel like it was very uh, rushed almost just to be like, we got to make sure that we have people understand that Xavier has a lot of depth. And it's not, you, you can't even just say that, all the history that Xavier has with Magneto, that's not, that's not enough. All the stuff of, you know, how he came to be. I, I just am not, I don't know, I guess I'm not super interested in hearing about his father being some rich scientist. And I, I don't know, it just it just left a bad taste. It was like mouth. genetic manipulation, right? Is that what they, I think yeah. they said that he was into, yes. possibly? Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. It, it, so this was uh, Fabian Nizietto. Okay. He wrote these. He actually wrote several of the Avengers issues that we've covered, hmm. uh, being the Wasp centric episode and Rage of the Angels. Okay, so it doesn't shock me to hear that you didn't like it. Uh, there was a lot in this I didn't particularly care for because it feels like, and I could be totally wrong, but it feels like we're at the beginning of all this convoluted Wolverine backstory stuff that just doesn't make any sense, and they're just throwing stuff in to throw it in. And this, I guess I guess what I should have said was these felt like filler issues that they were trying to bring gravity to, and the I just was like okay I don't I don't care about this hazard guy I don't care about Professor Xavier's 
childhood really you know like i feel like a lot of that's already been established with juggernaut like there's there's all these different things that they could could have done and it just felt like oh we're we had to to do two two issues before we get to the next the next arc which is big yeah and we have to make them somewhat important which it's kind of strange seeing the format from this time because they are shorter arcs where they're like two issue arcs three issue arcs consistently whereas now you can't get under four or five yeah. for a story. And maybe um, that's why I, it it bothered me a little bit and why I liked Uncanny a little bit more was because it was a longer arc and it felt like it told a complete story. Uh, I had a similar problem, I think, going back to um, last episode with all the stuff with Bobby Drake and his mm. the cybernetic ninjas and then even um, Uncanny with uh, Cyclops, or not Cyclops, Colossus's brother, Mikhail, when you go all the way back to that that weird pocket universe, I liked it at the beginning. But if you remember, I had a problem because I felt like they rushed the the, the final battle. It was like, oh, they're all together and it's over. Yep. And it felt that way here is that it was it was just kind of like they they tried to lend too much gravity to it, and there was not enough for it to flesh out. Hazard, I was I'm supposed to care about Hazard as a threat in two issues. Yeah, and then honestly. Not only in two issues, but he kind of gets taken out relatively easy. At yeah. The end. Yeah. But to your point, it does feel like filler where we're getting little breadcrumbs of something that might materialize in the future. Yeah. But as of right now, it means pretty much nothing. Does 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 Hazard ever come back to uh, your knowledge? Not that I'm aware of. I, I Again, I'm I, not going to lie. If I were writing X-Men, I would probably bring him back just to do it. Yeah. Because he's an obscure random character and turn it into something. I don't know. I would suck at writing, but I would hope in my mind I could make it cool. <laughs> but I'm sure it wouldn't be. But yeah. I, I, it, so basically the entire story is uh, Hazard finds out that his dad has died through, I think, CNN or something. Yes. He's like in a almost like a hospital prison scenario where they've got him contained because of his energy powers, which I don't even feel like were fully defined. Nope. They uh, weren't. That, I guess that's the other problem. Yeah. And he escapes from there because he's ticked off, you know, that his dad died and has done all this to him. And uh, Xavier gets confronted by Wolverine, who has found his the these these files that talk about, you know, uh, Xavier's dad being into genetic manipulation, which I'm still trying to figure out what the correlation was to Wolverine other than it was genetic manipulation. Yeah, that's, that's it. I think they were just, re- again, they were just reaching. They were trying to lend gravity to it. It's like, oh, I know. Let's take this murky past of Professor Xavier and somehow connect a, a tiny thread to Wolverine. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. And I think that's that's exactly what was going on. And like Xavier, Wolverine confronts Xavier and what I feel like is the biggest invasion of privacy ever. Like he's going through confidential files that Xavier has. Yeah. Like when did, when did this distrust happen? But, uh, so through this confrontation, Xavier, I guess realizes there might be some truth to the fact that his dad wasn't who he said he was. So he goes to attend the funeral of Riking, the the guy who died. I think it's Alexander Riking. Yep. Hazard's and, dad. Yeah. yeah. And Hazard shows up and kidnaps Xavier. And from there, uh, the X-Men end up coming and saving him. And what is a very, I don't know, it's it's one issue, but it's kind of drawn out. Like, I mean, that's more or less exactly what happens. There were some things that I liked in it. Like, I actually really liked the hashing or the hatching or whatever that they do for Hazard speech bubbles. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool thing. I haven't actually seen that. Me either. That uh, it it was cool now that you mentioned it. I didn't pick up on it until you just said that. Like, I, I remember it now. Because I, I was like, oh, that's different. Yeah. And then one of the things, so we were talking about Gambit earlier. Yep. And the thing that I just felt like didn't fit with how Gambit has been to this point is the conversation with Rogue when she gets out of the pool. I don't think he speaks in the cocky and suave manner. It's kind of a little downplayed. And, I, and I'm afraid, and I hope I'm wrong, but I'm afraid... We're getting to some of the point where people who don't know how to write Gambit make him come off like this and it just doesn't work. Yeah. And then the people who do, he's awesome, which we've seen. So it's up. Yeah. Up and down. Well, I feel like that's kind of my thought with Cyclops, too. And we hit on this the last all of the episodes. But we talked specifically about the scene last episode where jeans or uh, Psylocke's getting out of the pond and Cyclops is staring at her. And that's where the whole boobs McGuire joke came from. Yep. And 
it shows when Psylocke is in this issue, unlike we, we were wrong, because this is where she leaves to go to uh, Britain or wherever she's going to be with No One Cares Excalibur. Her brother. Her brother. No one cares about Excalibur. <laughs> uh, Cyclops is staring out the window like a creeper. <laughs> and is it, 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 well, first off, why? And then he goes, Betsy. What is it about you? And then he puts down the picture of him and Jean and then slams the door in the picture of him. Oh, this is so symbolic. Oh, that the picture of him and Jean falls over and breaks. Yeah. What was so <laughs> are we reading the same comic? Because I want to make sure. Has there been anything aside from Cyclops admiring her anatomy that has shown him has he shown any interest in Psylocke as a person or have they had a deeper connection somehow? Like, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I don't know if I, if it's taking place in Cyclops and Psylocke romance files or something like that. Is it another issue that I'm not seeing? Maybe spoilers for the future. Maybe Emma wasn't the only one messing around in his mind. Maybe it's, it's just weird. Yeah. I, I, it does feel like, and just based on everything that the other ones have said to this point too, it just feels like it's a complete physical attraction as opposed to anything else, which yeah. I guess, yeah, he's been in a long-term relationship more or less with Gene for a while, uh, off and on. And so I guess at that point, physical attraction is what would catch his eye. I don't know. I wouldn't even think that. I would think, I mean, maybe on a surface level, but I feel like it would have to be deeper for him to, to sacrifice that. I mean, Gene says something in uncanny, uh, relating to Archangel, which we'll get to, but she's like, dude, I've literally been cloned and dead and brought back to life. And the dead me was cloned to do, you know? So I feel like Cyclops has been there with her step by step. Why would he sacrifice that? for nothing i think in the end he doesn't but right but but what's the point of even including this i think we're just stretching for drama between the teams. yeah i, I guess because like, and again another thing we'll get to uncanny i felt like they had a similar moment and maybe i was reading too much into it in uncanny between gene and colossus where you already call you already kind of saw some flirtation and uh, some buildup between them in previous issues too. Yeah. So it was, it's, it, it just is weird to me that they're, they're almost trying to parallel alternate romance options for both of them. But I think you're right. It's probably the end just to, to play up the dramatics. I think so. I think it's like anytime you were to watch a show and you see some type of potential third person or third wheel coming into a scenario where they might, um, causing one to stray and it ultimately leads to nothing yeah and i feel like it's just there to draw t- or to create tension within the, the dynamics of that particular episode or a few episodes and i feel like that's where we're at yeah with this uh, i i mean that's the vibe that i get there was one show some other stuff that i did like one of which was jubilee's danger room scenario oh yeah yeah i did like that where she's battling like the blob and some of the other ones and then all of a sudden you see a claw go through blob's head and that's when Wolverine does the confrontation. Also, the, the, I have I have a little bit of issue with that because doesn't she call somebody a reject? She calls like Pyro a reject. Yeah, I've always liked Pyro. Yeah, I don't know what wrong. it is. There's nothing wrong with Pyro. But also, what is his what is his powers? Like he can just manipulate the fire, so he has to have fire produced for him out of those hoses. Yes. Yeah, he's just a fire manipulator. Okay, maybe he is. Maybe he is kind of a reject. Okay, he's, he's totally he can't even like bring fire out. Like you've got mutants that can literally like at least blob his power is being fat, but I mean, he, at least it's more interesting. He has something that he can do. He's supposed to be immovable. Sure. Right? But I mean, I mean, at the same time, at, at the very least he has a purpose like pyro can just move fire, but he can't summon it. Uh, yeah. So I guess I mean, maybe I, w- I was I off mean, base. Mag- I called, I, was I mean, base. Magneto can move metal, but he can't summon it. So, Oh, Touche. I mean, that's good. Not really at all. That's terrible. That, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's good, but I guess metal resides in everything and like buildings aren't made of fire. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me go get into my car. Ah! Like just burning alive every time you go to your car. Oh, Got to make sure that uh, we have the fire alarm. I mean, on. there are sparks and all kinds of things, right? When things spark, I guess he could manipulate it from that point. Do, do, okay. Also, Magneto Stretching. has. Yeah, you are. Because now I'm. I'm thinking about the X Men movie. Uh, I think it was 
X2. The X2 where he's in the glass and the glass enclosure mm-hmm. and Mystique puts extra iron in some guard's body and he like pulls all the, the, the metal balls out of the guy. Which was my favorite escape scene in a movie until what was it? Uh, was it Days of Future Past when? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When yeah. he escapes from from that. Yes. Up until that point, my favorite escape was X2. So are you telling me that? I, I, my body is composed of fire somewhere. No. Okay. So no. Magneto is so still Magneto's better. better. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure we circled back to, to Magneto was better. As we established in Marvel's zombies episode, Magneto is always my number two. Why the, why, are you, why are you bringing that up? Cause I wanted to upset you, <laughs> which, which is what happens when Wolverine and rogue talk, she gets upset at Wolverine, right? Because yes. that's actually, when I think back through the issue, with issues with hazard that's probably my favorite moment because wolverine's basically complaining the entire time (laughs) about his memories and he's complaining to rogue yes like of all people you're gonna complain to rogue about it and she's not having it and she just like shoves into him and she's like remember who you're talking to the girl absorbs other people's powers their memories who knows more about living under the covers of a lie more than me and then he just kind of like oh yeah that's a good point. Yeah, he gets put in his place for sure. Yeah. And then and then to end of that, we just get a zapped scene with Cyclops blasting. Like that's the transition. It shows <laughs> And that's what I'm saying. It does it feels really like uh, like a really unhinged couple issues. It's just a weird it's just weird. I, I I did not like them. Yeah, so at this point they're trying to sneak in and save Xavier from Hazard. Yeah. And Cyclops blasts open one of the building uh, walls. And Gambit is like optic blast and dead quiet. Really? Come on. I did like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I chose to let you off the hook of that one. It's like, oh, hey, I'm Cyclops. I'm the leader. I can blast things. <laughs> like, oh, great strategy there, Sun Sao. Yeah. And then, and then Sun Tzu. And then Beast apologizes for being the one who's turned Gambit into this type of sarcastic person. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't think beast should take any credit for how Gambit is. I think it goes back to this again, what you said at the top of talking about this is it's they're not written extremely well, or maybe not even that they're not written in the same manner that other people, that, that are other people have written them and are the characters we have come to know. Yes. I think that's very true. And I don't know, I'd have to look. I don't know how many issues Nitsiedza writes. I feel like he was apart for a while, but I don't know if it was in a row. He's uh, one name that I remember because I could never say the name. So I'm actually really impressed when you said it. I was like, oh, that's how you say it. YouTube Fabian Nishinzia. Nishinzia. YouTube is a powerful thing, my friend. So... Yeah, so the X-Men ended up saving uh, Xavier from Hazard with what is a really brief fight. But uh, we get a couple of little things in there that I guess are prepping for the future. We get Sam Guthrie, Cannonball, Mm -hmm. calling the mansion and uh, waking up, or not waking up, disturbing Jubilee's midnight bath. Well, that's why I asked, you said she was 13 earlier, and I was like, this is some messed up imagery. I think. For a teenager uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's 15. Also, confession, I said, "Uh uh-huh, when you were like Cannonball. I was like, who's this guy? Like, who is this person? So I'm glad you said Cannonball, and I I, I was going to just pretend I knew it, but I just decided to... To, to be vulnerable it's it's a matless show I, I can be more vulnerable now we've already we've already said we miss him so i'm feeling in a vulnerable mood i did not know that was cannonball when he was talking yeah i don't know he, i was just, like who is this person like i i thought he was like coming to kill her because it seemed like <laughs> it seemed like it was okay go back and read it and think about it that you do not think it's can if you don't realize it's cannonball he's like so who's there and she it, it, she's like oh it's just me is cyclops there no storm no, just me. Oh, so no one's there and you're all alone and you're a minor. <laughs> yeah, tell, yeah, tell totally. Them call him back. Tell him I'll I'll call him back. Away. Exactly. I'm like, okay, what is, okay. Okay. Is, I see where you're coming from, but knowing very that, menacing. But knowing that Guthrie is cannonball, I took it totally different, which is you're not important. Yeah. I'm going to roll through the important people. I see it now. Like, yeah. the, hey, there's some crap that's about to go down, and I need I need somebody that's a higher pay grade than you, and not hey, I'm going to come and dismember you. Yeah, so you're, you're you're right. Yeah, Guthrie, he's been around a while with the New Mutants at this point, but the other, I'm not sure what that's building to. I'm kind of excited. I don't know if it ties into what we've got coming. I it's was, got it. I, I'm I, I would think so. 
I'm assuming it does, which is the other tease that we get, which is strife. Yep. I don't know if this is his first appearance. I feel like it has to be. And he essentially gets an artifact from a couple of people uh, from, was it Rusty Collins and someone known as Skids? Yeah, I had no clue who they were. But he gives them an artifact. And on that artifact, I mean, from what I can tell, that looks like Apocalypse. It does. And he, you know, I don't know what he's got coming, but I'm looking forward to reading that. I've never read it. And I'm very excited to know more about Strife because... Again, here's another Travis action figure reference. I had a Strife action figure, and his mask popped up, and he always looked like Cable. So you know nothing about Strife? I know nothing about Strife, except I'm guessing he's a clone of Cable. Uh, he might even be the real one. That, now you're messing with Cable me. might be the clone. Ah, that makes more sense. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. But Breadcrumbs. He he does say some really, uh, I don't know, I thought some of the stuff he said was cool, which is uh, in referring to Apocalypse on the fabric, he says... I shall steal his past the way he stole in my future. One piece of flesh, one piece of soul at a time. Mm. I did like that. Yeah, I did too. Uh, so he might not, Nitsi Edza at this point might not be able to write the people, the X-Men characters the way that we have gotten used to them. Yeah. But he at least has some cool lines throughout. And that's why I tried to um, uh, re-say what I said initially, which was, because I said, I said, I think I said bad writer, but I just... I don't think he's a bad writer by any means. I just do not like how he's writing these characters that I've gotten to know so far. Yeah, I, I I'm, I actually, wow. I thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> the, uh, the stuff that he wrote with Avengers and the Jakes didn't seem to appreciate it in the way that I did. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it because I thought that even though they were kind of self-contained, they were still totally relevant for today. And it almost feels like he would have been the one to write Mojo. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be, yeah, same, same. Uh, Side note before we move on to Uncanny. Yep. Is it, it's pronounced Executioner's Song? I think so. I I haven't YouTubed that, so I don't know for sure. As a kid, I just always called it Executioner's Song because (laughs) that's, I feel like if you sound it out like in school, it would be Executioner because it's X and then Cushioner. Yes. But. Because you don't say Exa men. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> you say, say X men. So yes. I think, I think the way that you should pronounce it would be X X cushioner. X a men. X a force. Oh my god! Extreme X men. Oh my god! Astonishing. This X-A-Men. could go on forever because there are so many variations. Oh, I love to it. Their names. X a factor. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my favorite. X a factor. It sounds like an Italian <laughs> strike force of mutants. X a factor. <laughs> That's my favorite so far. Excalibur. Excalibur. Well, no, but it wouldn't work with Excalibur because that's an actual word. Oh, yeah. Exafactor. (laughs) It's like everyone has like various Italian themed, like Italian food themed powers. Like Mm. Havoc, instead of like those blasts, it's just like fettuccine coming out of his his hands. And then Strongman. I don't know, Strongman, maybe he can just like eat or no, he's like, he's the guy that like sits out of like the front of like barbershops and like uh, gangster movies where he's like, no. oh, you see, you, you, hey, why are you down here? Get, get out here. And he like just hits people on the top of the head, like the neighborhood kids. That's his power. That's his power. Hitting neighborhood kids on the top of their head. I yeah. love it. That's I it. love it. And then Wolfsbane's in the back, just like Lady in the Tramp eating some spaghetti. Yeah, I'm thinking Wolfsbane her fur instead maybe she's the one her fur is all fettuccine or penne i don't i know a lot of pastas you do i, I know a lot of pastas the two main ones yeah. way to go macaroni <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> i know all the pastas <laughs> brian oh wow but you were impressing me with your pasta knowledge now i'm trying to think of another pasta but i can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> i just built myself up as the pasta king and uh, I'm a fraud in that too. You've exhausted all fraud. of your pasta knowledge. Yep. So oh my God. <laughs> now you have to do a wrestling is pasta podcast. I will. T- I will. I will try. <laughs> I'm sure I could. I mean, I could. Okay. So shifting gears, that kind of covers the X Men arcs that we we read, and then we also read Uncanny 291 to 293. So with this one, I actually was really engaged yeah same the whole time like i said it was i preferred it over the hazard storyline and i actually preferred it over mojo i loved mojo so that's saying a lot yeah but i i think to me the the one 
negative I have, I'll get into. But I think it's just because there was a clear, hey, this is the past. We're going to explain what happened. This is what's going down now. And we're going to explain why that's important. And then also we've got a resolution of multiple different storylines that are happening. Because a lot of different people are feeling a lot of different things because of this. Yeah, you, they are. You, you've got Archangel with thinking about his wings. You've got Storm dealing with leadership and still experiencing the loss of Forge. You've got Colossus dealing with his brother going back crazy. Those were my favorite moments of the entire thing. Same. See, so just to give a quick recap, basically Callista shows up at the front door of the X mansion. The Morlocks had turned on her and I, then you've got healer out there on the front lawn looking like a dead garden gnome. And then he <laughs> <I> did <laughs> And uh, through Xavier and, and Healer silinking, we learned that Mask re-engineered the minds and bodies of the Morlocks, turning them insane. But I guess Mask died. So there's like yeah. an uprising of some sort. Well, you find out later what the actual cause was, but I, I, I think they're still trying to like decide who their leader is because Mask took power in a mutiny, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, and, and that's why Callisto is attractive now. Like, yeah. He's like manipulated all their looks to fit whatever he wanted. And yes. he turned Callisto, uh, what Iceman, didn't he call her hot or something? Yeah. He point? called her, he called her hot Callisto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, he was masking some things about himself. Uh, so eventually Xavier discovers that the rampaging Morlocks are all psychically linked to a young Morlock named brain cell. Which, what probably never shows up again, right? Yeah, I mean, like re- brain cell, like what, like one cell, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, that's a weird name. I I think that's an interesting power though, where it's almost like the, I don't maybe phalanx is what I'm thinking of, but it's almost like the we are legion thing where it's mm. linking everybody, everybody's seeing the same out of the same pair of eyes, and it's almost moving as a unit. But I know that's not what they were meaning, but yeah, it, it's actually relatively similar to the Thane Ector storyline in the Avengers. Yeah. Where they're all kind of like a hive mind or collective yeah. mind and he's manipulating them. And, uh, meanwhile, Mikhail is losing his mind yep. and sees that Callisto is in a damaged state and kind of takes over. And he has it in his head that he's going to become the leader of the Morlocks and save them by killing them. Yes. That, that was my problem. Yeah. So it, it, I don't know, but that was kind of what, where, where he was at. But to your point, there was so much crying. In this. Yeah, it was a very emotional story. And I do want to point out before we, I get to that, it, did you, the fight between Mikhail and Iceman, was that a preview to like extreme, like I have all of my powers gone crazy Iceman? Because he talks, know. he talks about like, think about how your power, how powerful you could be if your entire body was made of ice instead of just being able to manipulate it or whatever. I think, I think they're setting up some of that. I I just didn't know if I was looking too far into it. I don't think so. And I think we'll get there relatively soon. Yeah. Not okay. necessarily like in the next couple, but cause he turns them to liquid, yeah. which is, which, which is, is really awesome. cool. Yeah. Like, that's like, that's something messed up. That's like, so I guess we kind of learned what happened before, right? So like Mikhail turned somebody into a tree and we get more of an understanding of his power base yeah. in this where it's, what is it? Matter manipulation, I yes. guess. So, I mean, he's pretty much as close to all powerful as we've seen. And at least these issues that I've seen just because he can literally make things into things that they weren't. Yeah. Like it's matter manipulation yeah. more or less. And which is way cooler of a power than pyro. So <laughs> maybe Jubilee was right. Yes. True. Yes. Maybe she should have been game planning against <laughs> Mikhail cause he decided to fight everyone. I, I think even though the problem I had with Mikhail was that he decided to save the Morlocks by killing them. And I get what they were trying to do. Uh, the only redeeming factor of that was Colossus's reaction to this and how Colossus stood out as a character in this because of the emotions of dealing with an insane brother and being able to say, Hey, I, I'm going to change my power. I'm going to, he's going to power down. He's like, Mikhail will not actually hurt me. And just like the way he approached it and, and try to talk him out of it and all these different things. It was, it was really a really beautiful end to, their storyline. I just don't think it should have been, uh, it felt like a ham fisted way because it's, they called it the last Morlock story at the end. And I'm like, is this really the last Morlock story? Probably not. No. Yeah. No. So I guess not because Leech still has stuff that happens later on with him. I don't know why I know that, but he does. <laughs> uh, but 
I, I just, I felt like him deciding to kill everyone was just a really weird way to end McHale. And I knew he, he had to be gone at some point because I'd never heard of him before this, but I feel like there were better ways of it. So, okay. So this, his story more or less bookends with the beginning of our show. Yeah. Right? The very first yes. segment we did yeah. covered McHale. And in that he goes to, I don't remember if he was trying to close the portal or what, but he ends up killing all of his men. Yes. So it's kind of that all over again where he's opening a breach this time to bring the water in to kill all of the Morlocks who he's kind of adopted as his men at this point. So it, it's like he's doing what he did before, but this time he feels like he's doing it for a cause that's helpful to them. Yeah. So I guess in that sense, it kind of works for me, but it doesn't feel like it should be the Morlocks at this point. Like that all happened really quickly for him to just be like, Oh, Hey, okay. I'm going to go do this to the Morlocks who at this point should have even known who they were. Like, right. He shouldn't, you should have no idea who they are. Then, then they raised him to their leader and then their leader decides to kill them. Like, uh, really? Yeah. Like this is, and that's kind of the problem I had with that, but all the other emotions going on where you talk about storm dealing with, she was dealing with a lot of stuff. She was, so she was dealing with forge leaving and yep. her still loving forge. She's dealing with the leadership and the responsibility she felt for the Morlocks. And this is, uh, in some ways her, her doing, not her doing, but her, she's responsible for them. Yep. And then on top of that, you also get the preview of claustrophobia stuff too, when they're, they're crawling all over. So she's dealing with a lot, a lot is wrapped up into this. And then, as I mentioned, um, Archangel going back to the place where I didn't, I didn't realize apocalypse didn't rip off his wings. No, it was the Reavers. Are they with apocalypse at all? I don't think so. So it was just a completely unrelated thing. I think it oh, happens. Oh, that's what it was. Apocalypse was like, it, he was lured into getting new wings. Yes. And that was what it was. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. But that's where Gene, him crying. I mean, he, he's he been losing his mind a little bit. This has been a slow burn, but it's the same thing where he goes to the place where he had his wings chopped off. And he's leaves the team in the middle of a battle, basically. And Gene calls him on it. And is like, yeah, that's what I was saying before. She's like, I've been cloned. My dead body's been cloned. I'm from 17 different realities and I'm still dealing with it better than you can. Yeah. And she, she calls him out on trying to use the wings as a scapegoat. Yeah. And that's, that's super freaking deep for a comic book. Yeah. That it, I read when I was, or that we both read when we were kids that I don't remember, but that's the reason why. <laughs> and it's just crazy because to this point, like in everything that we had read, we're led to believe that the wings really are a life of their own. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like that was one of the conversations that we had when they were in 290 or what was it? 281 to 283 when they're in this other world with Mikhail and Archangel wakes up and he sees these people that he's slayed with his wings and he's, he blames the wings like, Oh, I, you know, the wings did it. But Gene calls him out here saying, you know, you're the one responsible for wielding them. I don't tell, I don't think I'm telling you anything you haven't suspected for a while. You don't suffer from a bloodlust. You're responsible for every act you commit, Yep, which was very powerful. And then in that same shot, you see how much that's actually getting to Archangel because you see the tears streaming down his face. It's heavy. Yeah. Like so much in this particular arc is heavy and deep and emotional. And to what you were saying with storm, like seeing how they're carrying over that forge stuff. Like a lot of times you'll see in stories, whether it's TV, you know, movie sequels or comics where they don't continue to pick up uh, these things that they established beforehand, they just kind of drop it like it never happened. And you yeah. don't deal with the emotional weight or the fallout in this. We actually get that with storm dealing with those emotions. And we've, we've been very hard on uncanny month to month based off the stories they've been telling uh, because they haven't been extremely sexy. They haven't been always interesting. Well, not everything can have Psylocke getting out of water. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Sexy in way of they weren't as fun as let's just put it that way. They weren't as fun as X-Men was. But I think what you're seeing is in these episodes, this story arc, they're reaping the benefits of the character of the development they did in the, the previous issues. And everything's coming to a head here. I mean, you, you, you talked about the first episodes that we did you know, where Archangel was killing people kind of in a sleep and everything's coming to 
to pass right now in, in this these episodes. You're getting the resolution to Mikhail. You're seeing Colossus's continued development, Storm dealing with the fallout of her broken relationship, and Archangel finally having some sense talked into him and maybe finding himself. Is there anytime soon a roster shakeup? Um, I, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I think because it feels like this is this would be where you would do that because. This this felt just as like the Jim Lee mojo ending felt like the ending, even though it didn't feel like anybody was going to depart. This feels like you have opportunity for everyone to leave. Archangel needs to go find himself. Colossus needs to go take care of matters. Tell Because at this point, he's never introduced Mikhail to his family, right? Oh, that's so heartbreaking. So it's like, hey, you have a brother. Now he's dead. Yeah. So Colossus has to go sort his own feelings out and deal with his family and then storm storm will be there because she's stoic. That's, that's her role. That's she, your flash she's girl. the glue that's, that is my flash girl. She's the glue that, that holds this team together. But I really could see a roster shakeup at some point, but maybe it's just a feeling. I, that I well, have. I think, I think at some point very soon they start to kind of merge where the blue and the gold are kind of not as defined between the two. Makes sense because of Executioner song coming up too. Yep. So I think that's that's on the verge. I know you were talking a minute ago about how everything is kind of like still tying into what we read before. And I think you see that with Bishop even reverting back to his ways because there's that moment when the police are there and his reaction is, well, can't have them catching me, so I'm just going to kill them all. Yeah. And Storm stops him. So, Dude, that's even – I forgot about Bishop, but that's another person that everything is, is – coming back to where it was and you're seeing character character development with him because he's not developing because he still reverted yes. back to who, who he was and who he is not. And, and it's, I don't think to me that what I'm feeling is like Bishop's never going to be a member of the X-Men. Yeah. He's, you know? He feels like that outsider still. And I think yeah. what's amazing is this is uh, Scott um, Lobdell, Lobdell, I don't know how to say his Lobdell. name. Lobdell. Adele. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, this is him. And I think Wilche was the one who was writing the ones before. Mm. So the fact that he's able to kind of like tie all this off, together yeah. is really, really impressive. Now, did you, or uh, previous episodes, you had said that Storm and Bishop, it felt like kind of like that motherly. Don't get that anymore. Yeah. I get I get what you were talking okay, about. Do you feel that? Because that's what I was like. I think they made it more blatant, but it sounds like it's almost like. Bishop at this point is going to be her rebound because he's, he's there. He's comforting her. He already puts her on this pedestal that she's a goddess. Storm is really like the Beyonce of X-Men for sure. <laughs> um, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about, of uh, about those, those romances kind of in the wings was what I mentioned when we were talking about Cyclops and Psylocke, which was Jean's the one that is comforting Colossus during his darkest hour. Those two were paired up together in that alternate universe where they find Mikhail. She talks about how cute he is at some point when Colossus is being like, oh, there's a lot of women around me in that same. I just feel like they've been building to show them more comfortable with each other and building that relationship and contrasting what happened in X-Men with Cyclops being like, what is it about you, Betsy? Yeah. Compared to this, I could actually believe that Jean could actually have feelings for Colossus because she sees him as a human and not just a walking pair of genitals yes. as how they've made Cyclops like reacting to Betsy. Yeah. I, I fully get what you're saying. I think, I think you could actually even see what you're talking about. The seeds being planted for that, but also you could even see it in a way that the seeds are being planted that that is potentially there, but could easily twist into like a brother sister type of relationship. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm like, why didn't you just leave that there? Because that's one, that's the exact scenario that you were talking about how they do in films and TV shows where it's like, will they, won't they, well, they're not. And, and it's, I, I think about the office where you, you have a lot of those moments because you have people and that are working in such close proximity and, I think that the X-Men is just another version of the American workplace. If you think about it that way, because I mean, I met my wife at work and I I think that you only end up becoming closer to the people that you work with. And those relationships are complex and develop over time. And I think that that's what we're seeing here. And that's why it's relatable because it's like, 
I think everybody has had moments throughout their life where it's like been this thing where it's like, I, I have feelings for this person, but I, I haven't sorted them out yet. I don't know what they are. And I think this is the type of depth that is kind of missing from the other comics that we're reading for this yes. podcast. Like yeah. this is human. Like this is, you know, individuals like the other stuff is like these just feels like these big battles taking place with like some caricature type villains that have these weird motivations or it's not relatable, but here we get these big moments or battles, but it's usually in the midst of these character defining moments. And I think there's a huge character defining moment. Speaking of gene, I think, or could be is when uh, Colossus is attacking one of the Morlocks or being attacked and he needs help and Gene's trying mm. to get him to stop. And all of a sudden he does stop and he reverts back to normal and Colossus is confused. He's like, I don't understand what's happened. And Gene's like, I happened. And then she goes on to explain that there were no other way. At, there was no other way at that point, And she just turned his mind off. Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy. It's, like, Dude, that was powerful. Yeah, and like, and not only is that a, you're you're exactly right because that's a character developing moment for Gene and defining, but it's another link between Colossus and Gene. Exactly, again. and so we keep seeing that, and, and then like you said with Colossus, it pained me to hear him or to read him on the phone with Ileana. Yeah, because you know. I love Ileana. Ileana. No, I, I actually was going a different route. I was like, oh, you have a brother. So you could like imagine somebody passing away and having to deliver that news. No, it's it's more about magic. It's all about magic. It okay. is. For me, there's like a handful of people and everything is about them at all times. I find ways to make that happen. So <laughs> Eddie, sorry. Yeah. Magic is above you. <laughs> He's never going to listen to this. So I'm not worried about That's it. That's fair. He doesn't know. But uh, so for the most part that kind of wraps up uncanny story yeah. like I th- the important stuff i mean yeah i think i think the thing that i i am reflecting on because uncanny goes into executioner song too correct yes uh, is i think that uncanny looking back on it and we like i said we were very critical of it before uncanny just did not have the window dressing but it had the house like it had the 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 window that had the room that led in from the window it just did not have the all the dressings of that made it the fun sexy comic at least for me if this is kind of like a a turning point for these these episodes because it's we're going into such a big event i, I really want to say that I think we were unfair to uncanny in the moment because we didn't see the development going on in front of us. Yeah. I, it's almost like when people complain about filler episodes and Netflix shows, Mm -hmm. like a Netflix series oftentimes is 10 to 13 episodes. And most of the criticisms that I see are the middle part of that season. They think becomes like a slog or is very slow compared to the rest. Yeah. And having recently watched daredevil season three, the entire thing in a few days. I honestly don't know what they could have cut. Like there's one thing I think they could have cut, but the rest I felt like was all important for the character development that everybody gets to at the end. Every single person ends the the season in a manner that I felt like everything except for one thing that they could have cut, which would have saved five minutes. Yeah. Was important. Well, and and I think the same thing. I'm thinking of the show that you you just mentioned shows, and the show that I, I immediately came to my mind is is Supernatural. That's oh. a it's a show Matt turned me on. It's one of my favorite shows. I know it's probably his top show of all time. And that's because he has a crush on Dean. Yes, he does. Uh, for what what happens in between the big events, it's it's usually like oh, this is what's happening at the beginning of the season. Crazy. And then they have to deal with it at the end of, of the season. In between, it's just two brothers in a car killing random monsters. Mm-hmm. But that's where you're, they're defining their relationships. That's where you understand who those people are. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful way of saying it, Brian, is that the, those were the filler episodes of this, uh, this comic. That allowed that character development and you cannot bring up supernatural and not bring up Castiel because Castiel is the best. Castiel is, is really good. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. So bollocks. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's someone else. That's Crowley, but I just have to say bollocks. Okay. I think that more or less covers everything that I had in mind to talk. Same man. And uh, so on next week's episode, 
It's going to be Spider-Man. It's going to be Amazing Spider-Man 364 to 367. So keep an eye out for that one. I think we're going to have a special guest on instead of Liz, because unfortunately she can't be with us. So I'm really excited to work with this person. You'll have to wait till next week to find out who that is. Where can they find you on social media? Uh, at Russell Special on Twitter and the Russell Special on Instagram. If you search the Russell Special on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, you will find my wrestling podcast with a twist. Uh, I promise you, if you check it out, you will enjoy yourself. I can agree. I listen to it every other week when it releases. Yes. Uh, you can find Matt on Instagram at Matt Applegate Draws. Yep. Please find him, follow him, and message him telling him to come back to the show. <laughs> if you say, <laughs> say Brian and Travis just couldn't cut it. We couldn't tell him tell him everything he needs to hear, stroke his ego, getting back on the show. <laughs> please, please start a hashtag one more Matt to get him back on. On, uh, when uh, we post this on Instagram, please comment on it and tag him and hashtag one more Matt to get him back on. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Marvel underscore mythos and on Twitter at Marvel mythos pod. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Yes. Yeah, we'll double this as a sound check. Yeah, this is, we're doubling this. Sound check, Who's double. Call, who the f- is calling me? Put them on Hello? speaker. Let's get their sound. Yeah. Oh, you mean the student loans that I didn't get because I didn't finish college? You motherfucker! Thanks for reminding me. I never did get student loans. Is that a good sound check? Am I am I sounded up? Well, you, you were pretty angry at the time. I don't yeah. know if you're gonna be angry yeah. the whole time. It's those peaks and valleys. It's- <laughs> <laughs>